right. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? We good? Uh, just so you guys know, I hadn't done worship in like three months, and so my fingers are hurting really bad. <laughs> um, Rodney got called away <clears throat> for work and had to work uh, into the early, early morning, so I got a call last night about 9 o'clock, and he's like, man, I hate to tell you this, but I'm not going to be able to make worship. I was like, no problem, so I'll call Dave Woodham. <laughs> and Dave Woodham said, hey, so sorry, I'm working. I'm not going to be able to help. And I'm like, I don't have anybody else to call. So anyway, <laughs> I hope it went well. Uh, my fingers hurt. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Uh, my shoulder's been bothering me, so I took some pain meds this morning. So there's no telling what I sang, and there's no telling what I might preach this morning. So check the Bible, if you will, as we go forward, just to make sure I don't get it wrong. All right, so <clears throat> we're going to talk about community groups today. Um, this is something that's been a part of us for a long, long time. Uh, DCF, long before Karen and I got here 10, 12 years ago, um, that DCF was known for its love for one another. It's one of the things that people talk about about this church for the last 45 years. I mean, it's been a long, long time. And uh, it's always been a huge value, just community and, and, and how we love one another deeply from the heart, which is scripture we're going to talk about. Uh, but I want to talk this morning. We've been, we did a series um, about four weeks of a series called uh, A Study in Spiritual Gifts. And so we talked about um, this big picture idea of what God is actually doing in the earth. And so I could actually, I could have titled this, this series or this, uh, this message today, um, what, what on earth is God doing? We could, we could have called it that. And then how on earth is he doing it would be another way. And so we've been talking about like this, these gifts and there's basically um, three sets of gifts. So we've talked about this before, three basic types of gifts. And they're given, it's interesting when you see this, when you, once you discover it, it's, it's really amazing how, you, how the, the Lord has done this in such a specific way. Um, for, for the first part, the fivefold gifts, um, these are from Jesus. And you read that in Ephesians, I'm going to get to this in a minute, I, I won't quote it now, but Ephesians says that he, when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men. And so he very specifically gave these gifts, and it's very specific from him and his ministry, and so we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, and then there were the grace gifts, and we talked about the grace gifts um, there from the Father. He, he basically, this is how he made you. Some people are incredibly hospitable. Some people are natural leaders. If you've got kids and they're natural leaders, one of the things you'll see is you'll see they're really, really stubborn, right? Anybody have, have kids that are stubborn? Okay, your goal is to move it from stubborn to tenacious, because stubborn is what you look like when Jesus isn't leading you, right? Tenacious is what you look like when he is. And so same, same ability to stick and, you know, to grab hold of something and never let go, but the motivation around it is different. So when you recognize that, then you, you minister into your kids and you minister into people the way God made them. You, you know, the Bible says you raise up a child and train up a child in the way he should go, he or she, um, not the way you want them to go, right? Because I like, you know, I wish my kid wasn't so stubborn. Well, too bad. <laughs> Jesus is like, ta-da, I trust you enough to work this out with your child, right? And so as frustrating as it can be, man, when you get that thing pointed in the right direction, it is incredibly powerful, right? And Scripture speaks of that in Proverbs, what a, a son or a daughter is like when they're, you know, when they're serving God, when they love God, and ha what a delight to their mother and their father that they'll be. What a delight to their family, and quite frankly, what a delight to the world around them because they serve in such capacity. So these are available to everybody. The fivefold gifts we mentioned before are only available to some. That God only, you know, Jesus only gives those to some people 
And it's a gifting that, that accompanies a role. We're going to get into that. But the grace gifts, everybody has them. And, and everybody has more than just one. And so you, when you begin to discover who you are and how you're made, how God wired you, your personality and all these different things, when you get a hold of these gifts, it becomes really, really powerful. And then the manifestation gifts, we talked a little bit about um, last week. We, we did with uh, David Woodham, um, Dave and Callie. Where's Callie? Way better, Callie. Dave and Callie are coming on eldership team next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, the Mitchells, by the way, because you're here. <laughs> so um, Dave and I were talking last week, kind of did a conversation <clears throat> about these nine truths around the manifestation gifts. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of those. But, but these three sets of gifts, these gifts of manifestation gifts, um, the Bible says that they're available to everybody. In other words, they, they don't just reside on you and never go away. Although often people who move in certain manifestation gifts move in them a lot. But what's really interesting is in a connection where you're, you know, the Bible says we're two or more gathered, he would come and be in the midst of us. And so God's spirit comes and he flows and he ministers in all kinds of ways. And we call these, these graces because, you know, that's the, the, the uh, Greek word for, uh, for these gifts. All of them are, it, it's, it, it's, its root word is, is the same word as charisma. It's something powerful, it's something amazing, it's something, you know, um, that, that grabs people's attention. And especially the manifestation gifts, when these things um, work in people's lives, it's incredible what they, what they do, because it talks about the power of God working through these gifts, and it's almost like the root word is, is dunamis, it's dynamite, it's, ex, it's an explosion. So imagine the grace gifts and the fivefold ministry gifts is this huge river that's flowing with the grace of God in everyday life, fivefold ministry gifts working all the time, grace gifts working all the time. And then from time to time when you come together, these manifestation gifts are, imagine if this river is clogged up and there's something blocking the river, it's dammed up and the flow is not what it should be. Often God will use these gifts to just throw that piece of dynamite in there with a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom and it blows away that clog and it just releases the grace of God to flow more freely. It's, it's incredible how these work, we're going to talk a little bit more about them and how they work in community. But what's the big picture? Um, we talked about this the, these this, uh, five-fold gifts and how they work, and we're going to talk about how they work specifically into community. And so we talked about three ways that these five-fold, five-fold ministry gifts are I- expressed in the body. The first one's traveling ministers, the second one's elders, and the third one's deacons. And so next week, we're bringing on new elders on our team and new deacons on our team, and there's almost as many of them as there are of you. <laughs> and so you're looking at that going, why in the whole world do we need that many deacons at DCF right now and that many elders? And the answer is we don't. We're overstaffing for growth is what we're doing. We've had these promises from the Lord that we're going to explode, that we've been building foundations into our body for a long, long time now. And at some point, there are enough fathers and mothers in, in the house that when new people come in, when brand new babies are born again into this local church, they're going to be fathers and mothers and mature believers who can come alongside them and disciple them. And when we trust the Lord that we're just going to explode and grow. And, and that means impact. That means transformed lives. That means people who receive the, you know, the ministry of God to, to bring them into wholeness. And then they become ministers of reconciliation, which is what God said that he was going to do with us. And so these traveling ministers, we've got two of them coming next week. And so they serve as elders in their own church, in a local church. So nobody gets to be outside the local church in the kingdom. It's a beautiful way that the, in the New Testament how the church works. 
but they travel, and when they come in, so these guys are coming in. Tyler's going to come in, and he has very specific giftings around his life. He's a very charismatic guy. If you've ever met Tyler, you know this is true. But often what they'll do is they'll bring pivotal words to our church. They'll come in, and they'll, be, they'll have been praying about what they're going to speak into, what they're going to preach into, how they're going to connect with the leadership team, what they're going to say. And so often, God puts, he drops these amazing words into their heart prophecies and words of knowledge and words of wisdom, the manifestation gifts begin to happen even before they get here. And so they'll come in here and they'll drop these pivotal words for us as a church and us as an eldership team and deacon team together making our local church leadership team. What we do is then we administrate that. We come into it and go, man, that was powerful what they said, what, what that word, that picture, that prophetic word over somebody's life. And then we administrate that and shepherd into it. That's part of what we do. We administrate the word of the Lord over our church. And so they come in oftentimes as a catalyst for breakthrough. I've seen so many times when ministers come in, and because they don't know you personally, right, most of us, don't know the circumstances of your life, so often what they preach into is so much more powerful because you, you look at that and you go, they, they've been reading my mail, right? They don't know me, but yeah, man, that's powerful. And especially if they prophesy into your life, it's so incredible how that works because the, your faith just begins to rise because you hear the Lord say something to you from these guys. There's no possible way they could have known. And so the supernatural explodes in our lives and we recognize, man, God is doing something, and I'm, I'm so encouraged, so excited. There's a catalyst for something. There's breakthrough. It's really, really powerful. And then local elders, we talked about that um, a couple weeks ago, and deacons and how they work into the, the body of Christ and how they, you see this in, like with Peter and Barnabas who were, who were elders who came into a local church and built into it. Peter said, I'm a fellow elder. Barnabas was sent to a church that had just newly been planted and growing and exploded. And other times when there was a revival where Philip, who was a deacon, Stephen and Philip, where Philip went down and was evangelizing into a city and a ton of people got saved, one of the first things they do is they send these, one of these five-fold ministry gifts, usually two. Barnabas and another guy comes down into that area and he, as he begins to operate as an elder and then eventually they appoint other elders. And the reason they do that is these elders operate from the, the kingdom of heaven, they hear what Jesus is saying into their hearts and into the church, and they administrate it. So our goal on Sunday mornings as elders is not to do what we want. I never get to do what I want, <laughs> except for my heart is lined up with God, which is always what I want. So it's, it's amazing how it works. But we hear the Lord, and we work through and administrate, and, and we tremble at the word of the Lord. We honor what God is saying to us as a church. And we shepherd you accordingly. So it's a powerful thing that God does through these fivefold ministry gifts. And so let me just quote Ephesians 4.11. And I won't go through all this, but he says, Jesus himself, he himself was just Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some of you guys grew up in the threefold, fivefold ministry gifts, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I grew up in the nofold, fivefold ministry gifts. I had no clue until I was 20-something years old what this stuff meant. But when I began to understand it, I recognized these gifts were given. And look at what they were given for, for the equipping of the saints, to equip us to do the work of the ministry that God's called us to. So often we think of the pastors and the elders and the leaders, and those words are interchangeable oftentimes, pastor and shepherd. Well, so often we think of these guys as the one who, ones who do the work of the ministry. Not true. 
we all have the work of the ministry in our own lives that we are responsible for. We lead our families. We, we reach people for Jesus. We bring good into the earth. We walk in the good things that God has called us beforehand to walk into. All of us do that. But the fivefold ministry gifts, they're not to do the work of the ministry in the church, although most people think that's what they do. But what they're called to do is to equip you so that you do the work of the ministry, right? And so when that happens, think about how much more powerful the church becomes, because if not, it's limited by me and my gifting. But now, the way God designed it, it's not limited by me and my gifting. It's only limited by who of you decide to pour your heart out and give your life away in service for the king to step into the grace and the, and the gifts and the callings on your life. And when that begins to happen, man, marriages are healed. People have a passion for kids. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of little kids, right, in terms of ministry. Some of you guys like me either, and I got them. So I can't wait to put them in kids' church on Sunday mornings, right? But there's so many people who they can't wait to, to work with little kids. We had, uh, uh, there's a guy in our church, uh, he's not here today, he's Alan Palmer. And uh, he worked in kids' church when I first came. And he's, he's, he's an accountant. He's a financial gifting. He was part of the finance team. But he loved working in the kids' church. And when we first came, we bought this little kind of soft jungle gym, kind of real low to the ground that toddlers could crawl on. You know, if they, if they fell on it, it wouldn't hurt them. And so I asked him after it was there for a couple of weeks, I'm like, how are you liking that new kind of thing that we brought? He goes, I hate it. And I was like, why? He goes, because normally I lay on the ground and they crawl all over me. So his heart was, he just loved little kids. And it's, it's beautiful when the Lord does that. There's something that's ministered to those kids. So it's incredible how these gifts work and how, how it works to equip us for whatever God's called us specifically to do. Another thing they do is they edify, they encourage, they bring unity, um, they bring the knowledge of Jesus, they submit the knowledge of Jesus, they try to talk about who he is, what he's done, the work of the cross, we do that all the time. And he's drawing us to become a mature man, the Bible says, a mature person, to the measure of the stature, to the fullness of Christ. In other words, there's an in, there is an inheritance that Jesus has given you. But so many people are not walking in the fullness of that inheritance. And Jesus wants to pour that out, and he often uses the fivefold ministry gifts to do that. He calls us to challenge you sometimes. We're talking about small groups and community groups today. And so my challenge to you is get into a community group. I can't tell you how many times people come to me with a struggle in their life and they're going, I'm struggling with this, it's so hard, it's difficult, you know, my marriage is struggling, I'm struggling with parenting, I'm struggling with finances, I'm struggling with all these things, and I'm, my first question, are you, in, are you in a community group? No, that's why you're struggling, <laughs> right? Because there's something about coming into a place, when you walk in the door in, uh, of, a, of a community group of people who love you and are for you and came there to serve not themselves, but serve you. When, they, when you walk in the door and you have a face, you know your face, you walk in and it's downcast, right? Everybody in the room knows it. Because you don't do that on Sunday mornings. You fake it till you make it on Sunday mornings, right? You come in and you smile and you're like, how you doing, man? I'm blessed and highly favored. No, you're not. I mean, you are, but you don't feel it right now, right? But Sunday morning, typically people won't share that. Sometimes they will. But in community groups, what will happen is somebody will see that on you or sense it, and they'll walk up and go, how are you doing? We got time. There's no time, you know, countdown up here <laughs> on community groups. We got time. How are you doing? You know what? I'm not doing that great. I have this struggle and that struggle. Man, that's so funny. I was praying for you this week, and I felt like the Lord said. And all of a sudden, from someone else, 
you receive something from the Lord that helps break out of that struggle. So it's a powerful, powerful thing. So how does the fivefold gifting affect communities? Just a couple of things. First of all, this, this is, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, that, that eldership is, is one job or one office, but it's two jobs, two functions. And so the functions are simply to oversee. We talked about that. Um, the, Holy, the Bible says to, uh, to look out for yourself and for the people who God has appointed you as an overseer. So you oversee, and part of that is you want to make sure that what Jesus is trying to accomplish in his church, he's actually getting. That's the job, one of the jobs of, of overseeing. But the big one is shepherding. And there's two phrases, two uh, words in the original language that comes out, brings us out. One of them is prosecco, and it means to keep watch. And so it's, imagine, you know, this, this shepherd, because that's often interchangeable with shepherd and pastor. You see this in, in the eldership role. And, and to keep watch means to hold the mind towards, to pay attention to, to be cautious about, apply oneself to, attend to, beware, be given to, give heed to, have regard for. So there's something about keeping watch over the flock who the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. And, and you, you become this shepherd that looks out and you're looking, you're not just looking for um, Predators, those are the easiest to spot. We talked about that. You're looking often for sheep diseases. What's going on? Is there bitterness in their heart? Is something happened to them and, you know, they had someone pass away and they're struggling with grief? I mean, there could be a hundred things that are going on. And part of keeping watch is to pay attention to that. Another one is uh, poimeno, which means to shepherd, to feed, to tend a flock, to keep sheep, to shepherd, rule, govern, furnish pasture for food. Isn't that an interesting way to think about it? to nourish, to cherish one's body, to serve the body, to supply the requisites for the soul's need. And so you see Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. When the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. But if he's not your shepherd, (laughs) you lack everything, right? So often our lives, are even if we're doing really, really well, watch this all the time, high-capacity people, high-functioning people who in their hearts are are insecure and broken and fearful and worrisome and all these different things going on in their life because they don't have a shepherd watching over them. And so we are, as, as elders, under shepherds, responsible to the, to the chief shepherd, to the head shepherd, to shepherd well, right? He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Do you know you have to make sheep do things? <laughs> they will, sheep are... I was going to say the dumbest animal on the planet, but I don't know if that's true because I don't like cats. That's something for another series. I know. I alienated like two people in the room when I said that. But here's the thing. With sheep, <laughs> I, have, I have somebody on my side. So, so here's the thing. When, when, you, when you see sheep, they, they follow whatever. Like I've literally seen videos of a sheep crossing a bridge, and one of them gets scared and jumps over the side of the bridge into the river, and guess what happens? All of them jumped over, and they're like, oh, that looks like a great idea, boom, and they're all in the river, and now, you know, the shepherd's like, I should have been keeping watch. (laughs) That crazy sheep up there has lost his mind again, whatever, right? And so it's so interesting that you have to make, that you have to challenge, And, and there's always this thing from Jesus as the chief shepherd that he's always challenging and at the same time bringing invitation. He's saying, come and be a part. There's something good that's gonna be here, but I'm also challenging you to grow up. Stop being a child. Paul said, when I was a child, I did childish things, but when I became a man, and that for him was 13 years old in that culture, when I became a man, I put those things away. I did that. 
right? I had to make a decision. So God comes and he challenges. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. It's interesting that, that sheep, if they go into a, a nearer water, especially if it's a flowing stream, if they walk into the water and it's not still, they will, if they turn the wrong way, they will literally drown themselves. They will absolutely be overwhelmed. It goes up their nose and they drown. And so shepherds, what they would do is they would, any place where it was flowing fast water, if it's too strong, they would take some rocks and put like a little dam and create a place where there was still water for them to drink. The whole idea behind what Jesus is doing as a chief shepherd and elders and, and deacons do in a local context is they make it safe to receive from God. That's one of the primary things that they're supposed to do. So let me just give you an example because some people are like, I don't see this very much in Scripture. It's there, I promise you. We just haven't been taught it much. But there's this beautiful picture of elders in the book of Revelation in chapter 2. I'm just going to read a couple of Scriptures in a second. But um, Revelation 2.1, he says to these different churches, he says to the angel of the church at Ephesus. Revelation 2.8, the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? And so he's saying... You know, we always read that, and we think because the whole book of Revelation is about, you see angels appearing, you've seen angels minister to Jesus, and you've seen angels bring revelation to uh, Joseph and all these different people. You see this appearance. Messengers are bringing the word of God. They're speaking for someone else, right? A human messenger, oftentimes, it's an envoy. And so what's really interesting is this word, uh, the original language, was used for John the Baptist as well. And so it's interesting, Matthew 3, 1, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and he was saying this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, and he quotes Isaiah 43, 40, verse 3, he says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. So there's this beautiful messenger who comes, and he says, Hey, Jesus is coming, right? This is the first time. The Messiah is coming. And, and you need to prepare the way for it. He needs to be made. And he says, make straight paths for him. In other words, get ready to receive. And in Malachi 3.1, he says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Talking about John the Baptist. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So Revelation 2 is talking about elders, specifically a lead elder. And here's why I know that, because everything he says to that messenger is not something an angel is responsible for. He says to him, hey, I love this about you in, in the church, in this church. So in Ephesus, he's, he talks about you know, you, the, some of the things that he'd done. That he, was, he said, I love this. This is incredible. And then he gets to the end of it, and he says, but I have this thing against you. So he's brought this beautiful invitation, right? And then he brings this challenge at the end. He says, I want to challenge you because there's something that you're not doing. And he goes through, and, and, and each of the seven letters was a real live church with a real live eldership team. It was always plural, but there was always a lead elder. Always a lead elder. There was chief priests. There there, there are archangels. God is all about leadership. He won't give authority to somebody without giving them responsibility. And he won't give responsibility without giving authority. It's the way that he works. So there are virtues, endurance and patience. In Ephesus, one of the things he talked about. But one of the things he said is you have lost your first love. In other words, think about this for a second. Here's a lead elder leading a church with some amazing things that have come out, right? Beautiful picture of Jesus. And he's no longer talking to Jesus. 
You've lost your first love. He said, you're trying to lead the church without me. And can I tell you churches do that? I've done it. Not lately. (laughs) But I've done it. I've led the church and have not talked to Jesus in a real, real long time. There's lots of reasons why we do that. But he goes through and he talks about that. What would he say to DCF? What would Jesus come to us as an eldership and say? One of the things he says is, hey, well done when it comes to loving one another deeply from the heart. You guys are really, really good at that, right? Well done. Community, man, your passion, your heart, your love for one another. Another thing he'll tell us is, I love the way you worship me. I love that there's an abandonment to the things of the Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I love the way you minister to one another. I love the way you lean into prophecy and words of knowledge and the manifestation gifts. I love that you do that and you're not weird about it. Because that's not always the case in scenarios, right? But here's the thing. If he tells us to love deeply from the heart, it's going to take time. It's going to take commitment. It can't just be when you go into a community group about what you receive. It has to be also about what you give, right? So, so we talked about how the fivefold ministry gifts challenge us to come into community groups. We do this every season. We teach into grace teams every January, grace teams and, and community groups always. Why? Because we desperately need to walk in those things in a bigger way. And so the Lord is going to come to us as elders and going to go, I want you to keep doing this. This is awesome. I love it. But from time to time, he can, he's going to come and challenge us. And one of the big challenges that we have right now as an eldership team, what we've heard the Lord say is, I want you to be on mission, right? I want you to reach people who don't know me. I want you to, to bring people into the fold. I want you to leave the 99 and go after that one. And so we're going to teach and preach up the hill until we see that at DCF as a culture. And that's one reason why we believe things are going to explode, because we built foundations. The things that he told that, the lead elder in, in, in Revelation, hey, I love these things about you. Don't stop doing those things. This is awesome. But at the same time, I have some challenges I want to bring so that you as elders will bring that to bear into the local congregation. And then he moves into community, uh, into uh, grace gifts and how grace gifts work in community. So what does that look like? I'm just going to put these up here. We put them up before, but I'm just going to show you a partial list. In Romans 12, there's prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, and others. Um, Romans 12 says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. Each one of us has a gift. 1 Peter 4.9 talks about hospitality and speaking. And in that, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, faithful stewards or faithfully administrating the gift of God on your life. So don't do it to serve yourself. Use your administrative gift, yes, to organize your own life, but come alongside other people in the body and help Organize that and help administrate that. Lead, yes, in your own life, yes, in your, in your business, yes, in your family, yes, in whatever groups or, or sports teams you're a part of. I love the leadership gift. But use it for the sake of the body of Christ, to build the body of Christ up and to reach out to people who don't know Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, helps in administration. Uh, Exodus 31, this is from the Old Covenant that travels into the New Um, creative skills. This is fascinating. Listen to this. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I've chosen these people. I'm not going to pronounce their names right, so I'm not even going to try. And he goes on, he says, and I've filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding. Doesn't that sound like deacons? Isn't that interesting? Leaders in the church. He said, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills. Did you know skills can be from the Lord? And they are. He goes on, he says, to make artistic designs, for work in gold, silver, and bronze, 
to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and listen to this, to engage in all kinds of crafts. There's this grace gift that, that we so often forget, that the creative side, you know, the stage design, we need to renew this. It's been up here for since COVID started. We need creative people who can make something that's pleasing to the eye when, when people walk in. We need creative skills for designing stuff that we send out. All these things are so powerful and so useful. The Bible says that these gifts are given to serve others. Ephesians 4 says, from him the whole body, talking about Jesus, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. In other words, it's not just the five-fold ministry gifts, elders and deacons and traveling ministers that build, the, build into the body. They do. They equip for service and unity and all those things. But it says that you, in your grace gift, are to build yourself up in love. And we're going to get to that, whole, that concept of love, but the whole idea is to, do, to, to build yourself up in love, build the church up, build the body up. And this is, this is how you do it. It says, as each part does its work. So let me put the antithesis to you. It will not grow if each part does not do its work. If you withhold your gifting from the body of Christ, what you're supposed to bring, we don't get. When, when my wife, my wife's a very prophetic person, anytime we do ministry together, if she is there moving in the prophetic ministry, I look like a prophet. I'm so prophetic, it's the most amazing. I'm nowhere near her. But I, all of a sudden, that gift in her brings me up because I'm around it and, I'm, and I have faith for it and I see it and I receive it and I walk in it at a greater level because she is willing to walk in it in the fullness of the way God's called her to it. So every gift that comes in, if you have the gift of administration, you're going to look at things and go, you know, that could be done better. And one way you know that you have a gift that you're not using is frustrated. You look up here on the screen, and you know, because uh, I, have, I have some of these gifts, and a couple of weeks ago, we, we had to put something up quick, and we misspelled the word February, which is so easy to do. I don't know who came up with the spelling of February. Probably the Romans, I'm guessing, right? But it was misspelled, and some of you guys, I, I could see it in your face. You're like, I, 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 can't, even, I can't even worship. I, Jesus, I'm sorry, but February was spelled wrong. I can't get past it. Right? So if you have that and that frustrates you, some of you guys, you're, you know, you got a creative gift and go, that's an interesting way to spell February, right? And you know who you are, right? Some of you, it just went right by you. And the point is, whatever your gift you have, if you're not walking in it, oftentimes you're going to be frustrated because your gift is supposed to work and build itself, build our body up in love. And if you don't do it, it's going to create a frustration in you and it's going to create a massive lack in the body. And one way we do that is when we come together in community groups, you know, the, the five-fold ministry, the elders, deacons, we're challenging you to come together. In our community, it's, it's, it's so easy to isolate, especially after COVID. We were, doing, we were isolating before COVID. It made it 10 times worse when that happened. And so there's a challenge to do community groups. You know why? Because people aren't doing community. And so we challenge you to do that. But when you come together, Grace teams, you have something that you bring to bear in people's lives. And if you are not there, we miss you, right? Some of you guys, when you're out, out of the service, if, if I've known you for a little while, you've been a regular attender. If you're out for more than two weeks, somebody notices and gives you a call and checks on you. Hey, how, what's going on? We're not, you know, we're not trying to, you know, um, 
how do I put this? <laughs> we're, not, um, we're not trying to get you to do something out of duty. We just recognize that if you're not, not here, there's something that's going to be missing to you, and there's something that's going to be missing to our body because you are not here, right? There's not many people who are woos winning others o- over. That's a, my wife. My wife walks into a room, uh, especially people she doesn't know, and she looks at all of them and says, look at all of my new friends, right? That's what she does. Mark is exactly like that as well. Mark and Suzette are going to be coming on our deacon team in the near future, right? And so Mark walks into a room, and he's like, look at all these friends. And they're like, I don't know you. And Mark's like, it's not a problem. I will make that happen, right? We need that desperately among us. Because when Karen or Mark walks into a room, guess what happens? Everybody is excited about getting to know everybody else. And they would admit my wife also has a maximizing ability. And so when we go to lunch and there's more than two people, she will tell us where we should all sit, especially if there's a whole bunch of us. And what's fascinating is I've watched that over the last 30-something years. And when she does this, it's a spiritual gift, I'm telling you, because people, she'll sit people next to other people that she knows they will connect and build relationship, and, and it happens all the time. It's an amazing thing. The Bible says we have to faithfully administer them. Listen to 1 Peter. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. That's not a request. It's a challenge to you. This is what you must do if you're going to be a part of the body. And we're going to miss you if you don't. It says faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Faithful means firm in devotion to something. Webster's Dictionary, I like the 1913 version because... We hadn't screwed up most of the words yet, <laughs> so I use that a lot, right? And one of the things it says in, in definition for faithful, it says firm in adherence to promises, oaths, contracts, treaties, or other engagements or community groups. I'm just kidding. It didn't say that last one. <laughs> but if you don't commit to them, because people will start a community group and go, I'm not sure if I'm getting anything out of this. Is that why you came? Because maybe that's not the best way to join a community group. Maybe it's about not just what I get, but what can I bring to bear when I come there? Jesus, his grace that he's poured into me, I'm going to be able to deliver that to other people. So what about manifestation gifts? Do they ever work in community, in community groups? Well, obviously we see that happen on a Sunday morning in church, right? Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation, here's how you know you're doing the manifestation gifts wrong, if it's not working for the good of other people. If it's out of selfish ambition, if it's you want to prophesy because you want everybody to look at you and see how prophetic you are, right? If you're selfish about the gifts, the gifts will still work. The reason I know that is the whole book of Corinthians was written to a a church that the Bible says in chapter 1 that they were not lacking in any spiritual gift. He's talking about these manifestation gifts, not lacking in any of them. And in another place in the same book, he said, your meetings are doing more harm than good. So the manifestation gifts are not neutral, (laughs) right? You can do them wrong. You're going to use them poorly if you're immature, if you're insecure, if you don't know how they work, you're going to get them wrong. And part of working in the manifestation gifts is learning from community. There are people who are really good at these manifestation gifts. They walk in them great way. We, as a as a fivefold ministry, elders and deacons and our team, and even when the traveling ministers come in, we administrate the gifts in the best possible way we can to be a blessing and not a hindrance. 
to bring clarity and not confusion. We had a, a, a message in tongues. My wife shared a message in tongues uh, a, a while ago, and she, she, she came. She took the microphone. We, we lowered the worship music so that everybody could hear it. She gave a message in tongues. We waited for an interpretation. And in the meantime, I got up and I shared out of where Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost when tongues first arrived, right? And he said, hey, everybody, this is not what you think what you think's happened. So I said, my wife's not drunk today, <laughs> right? You may, have think, you may think she is. She's walking in the spirit, and you're like, that's kind of weird. But the Bible says that when Peter shared that, before that, they were, they were nervous. They were, they were perplexed by what was happening. And when he brought clarity, because he brought it from Scripture, he said, this is what happened in the book of Joel. This was promised. God is doing this. And when he did that, the whole crowd calmed down. And they heard the Lord speaking to them after that through these, these tongues. And when my wife gave this message in tongues, it was fascinating that day. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes there are tongues of angels, the Bible says. Sometimes there are tongues of men. And so it's fascinating how often a, a message in tongues has no English or, you know, your language equivalent. But that day, that message was interpreted because people heard in that message that Karen gave, that tongue that she gave, heard Bosnian, there was a missionary from Bosnia, and he heard the Bosnian language. And another lady who, was, who had been teaching her, her kids homeschooling um, the Canterbury Tales in Old English heard that too. So all of a sudden, you, I mean, so that's happened in our midst where languages were brought. Now, my wife doesn't speak Bosnian, and she obviously doesn't speak Old English, right? So, so the whole, the beautiful thing about this is when they are done well, there's a faith that arises. I remember uh, Dave was talking last week about Callie. That was one of her first experiences where the gift, the manifestation gifts had been done decently in order and had been a, a place of blessing and not confusion and fear. And that's the way the gifts are supposed to work. They don't always work that way. Some people come in, don't know, because the style is subject to the church or the person. The time, timing is subject to the church and the person. So we create room every Sunday morning in, in our worship time, right? Um, if you have a word or a picture or a prophecy or a tongue, come to the front. And we have an overseeing elder whose job is to administrate what God is doing that morning. So what about small groups? What about community groups? There's a leader there. His job, it's delegated from the fivefold ministry gifts, is to administrate what God is doing among the people. So you can move in manifestation gifts. In times of worship, you can just take time. Hey, let's pray. Let's wait on the Lord. We used to do this a lot. This is so fun. In a group, you can just say, hey, let's pray and ask the Lord, does he have something? What's his heart for that person over there? We would pair people off. And every single time, there would be a prophecy, a word of knowledge. It was amazing how God would operate to bless people and bring his grace into their life through this manifestation gifts. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 12. It's interesting. It says, so it is with you, since you're eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Listen to that again. Try to excel. In other words, get really good at manifestation gifts, especially the ones that build up the church. So there's a challenge to us. If you've never walked in the spiritual gifts, it's time you do. And it's a little bit scary the first time I heard the message in tongues, I thought it was Spanish because I was from Alabama, and we don't hear foreign languages very often, what well, we do now. But it wasn't that diverse when I was growing up, and I just assumed because the guy was Hispanic that he was speaking Spanish. 
Turns out I was way off on that one, right? But I had to learn. And we had a different style of prophecy back then where, we'd, where the guy would stand up and the Lord would say to his people and it would be booming. And then he would say something that would sound so authoritative. But the Bible says that the others, when that happens, that the others should judge. Leaders and mature believers in the church should judge the prophetic words that are coming out. And so it's helpful if we're supposed to do that, not to come as if it's the word from Scripture and the Lord would say to his people, well, maybe the Lord's trying to talk through you, but you can get it wrong. So you know what we do when we prophesy to one another, when we minister words of knowledge, we'll say, hey, I feel like the Lord is saying. You know what that does? That gives you a whole lot of room to go, thank you, but I think that's off. Like, you don't have to say it back to me, but you just walk away from that going, I want to judge that. I want to, is that something that's consistent with the nature of God? Is it for the common good? Is it something that resonates with me? Is it confirmation in my life? Is it affirmation in my life? Or is it just freaking weird? Because sometimes it's just a taco dream, okay? And people get it wrong. And that's okay because they're trying and they're learning and they're growing. This is an interesting passage. This is 1 Corinthians 14.4. He says, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So there's this one gift in tongues. There's a tongue that, that is a ministry to the manifestation gift to the church, and there's a private prayer language that when you pray in tongues, you minister to yourself. The Bible says you can edify yourself. It is about you. So you have to be careful how you move in tongues. If we do that in a body or in a group, a community group, then we don't just speak in tongues if we're going to bring confusion, especially if there's somebody there who doesn't know how these gifts work, never been exposed to them, or who are unbelievers. It's a challenge to do this in a way that God designed it. So how do we do this? The Bible says that these gifts are given to instruct and encourage. So imagine a community group that's not just a Bible lesson or not just a get-together, which is, all those things are great, not just a time of prayer. But imagine if in this midst, God could come supernaturally and instruct you and encourage you and encourage one another. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed encouraged. Paul imagined a church, a group of people that when you came together, there were times when everyone is prophesying in turn. Not everybody's doing it at the same time. That's confusing. But in turn, they would prophesy. And the Bible says when that happens, everyone in the room will be instructed and encouraged. That's powerful. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good. For who? To those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God wants to instruct and encourage you to the thing that he's called you to do. Part of that is your everyday life, leading your family, you know, making a difference in the world, and often the way we make a difference, mostly the way we make a difference, is to introduce grace and understanding that God no longer holds your sin against you. He wants to draw you back into the kingdom. Another thing that gifts do is they draw out a person's identity. This is in God's Word translation. It's not really a translation. It's more like a paraphrase, but this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, Scripture says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's an encouraging word, isn't it? Listen to it again. No mind has imagined, uh, no, sorry, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But listen to the next verse because this is in context. But God has revealed those things to us by his spirit. 
So often, all the time we see this. We do, Karen and I, this is one of the things that we do most of the time in our ministry, is we draw out from people who God says they are. We go after their identity, because that's really the, one of the biggest parts of, of what God's trying to do, is to try to remind you of who he is and whose you are. And to remind you that you're no longer a servant, you're a son. That there is an inheritance for you. And so he wants to pour that into it. Listen to Romans 12, 6. I'm almost done. We have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. You and I are different. Our, our, our gifts and our ministries and the calling that God has on our life, completely different. But they're all from God. And they're all revealed by his spirit into your life. You want to walk with purpose. You want to get up every day and go, I know what I'm about. I know that the time that I'm given, the things that I'm doing are good and helpful. I'm going to feel fulfilled and I'm going to feel satisfied. Then let God reveal to you by his spirit what your calling is, what your direction, what your purpose is. And lastly on this, love should be the environment that these gifts operate in. The Bible says to you and I, when we gather together, to love one another Deeply. Now think about that for a second. It's easy to love one another shallowly. <laughs> I don't think that's a word. But it's so easy. It's also easy to love the lost because it's abstract. It's difficult to love someone deeply because when you start loving someone deeply, you see all of their flaws and they see all of yours. And that's why these prophetic words about identity and recognizing people the way God sees them and pouring your grace and your ministry and your calling and your love into their life to draw them up into the inheritance that God has them, the maturity, the, the, the design that God gave them, that's part of what we do. And when we do that well, it, there's a love environment that allows us to love one another deeply. And the Bible says we get to share the truth in love. So often that scripture is used to just beat people up. But you can say anything to somebody, listen to me, if they know you love them. You can say anything. You can speak truth. You can challenge them as, as deep as you can go if they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're loved. And that's a pattern that occurs over time, and you have to be with people. Love one another deeply from the heart. Not from the head, from the heart. That means you get emotionally involved, emotionally attached, and when they do dumb things and immature things, it often hurts you because you are connected to them deeply. But it also brings about a great weight that you want to invest in them and you want to see them fulfill everything that God has called them to. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourselves. It can't be about you. It's all about you. Jesus came and he laid his life down so that he could have you. That's why he loves you. That's why he took your sin, because your sin was separating you from him, and you get to come back into the midst. Jesus loved. This is John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. You know what? All of the law in the, Old, in the Old Testament, all the law and prophets, is it's wrapped up in one single phrase. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your spirit, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right? Matthew 22, 36 says this. First, love God. Secondly, love yourself. That's that identity thing. If you can't love yourself, how in the world are you going to love anybody else? You can't do it. 
So love God. Love yourself. Recognize who you are, who God's called you to. Find your identity. Begin to walk in it fully. And when you do that, listen, you can work with broken, immature people. You know why? Because when Jesus came on the scene, before Jesus came on the scene, when someone who had leprosy, you couldn't touch them because leprosy would jump on you. When Jesus came along, everything changed. When he prayed for a leper, leprosy didn't come on him. Wholeness from Jesus went on them. That's what mature believers can do. You can sit down with somebody. You can walk with somebody. You can challenge somebody. You can be irritated to the core by someone and still love them and still invest in them if you love the way God has called us to love. So I just want to challenge you. As we, we're gonna, the, the practical aspect of this is in a couple of weeks, next week we're going to have Tyler. We're going to bring on some new leaders. Um, by the way, we're going we, we're to ask you guys, submit anybody that you feel like should be deacons. That's part of the Bible. It says choose from among yourselves. Um, men who are full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. We sent out some information about how you can do that well. So next week we're going to bring on deacons. We're going to bring on elders. You get to participate in that. And then the following week, we're going to launch small groups, community groups, and we're going to challenge you to lead a group or to join a group. And they don't have to be big groups. They can be small groups. It can be, you know, three people, a leader and, and one assistant leader and a minion, however you guys do your groups, right? <laughs> I know some of you guys are like, that sounds awesome. I'm going to do that. <laughs> don't do that. But, but it doesn't matter how big the group. The whole idea is if we can gather you together, if we can challenge you to come together, there's something that begins to happen. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind because you come together and you bring all these things that we've been talking about and you grow one another up, you build one another up in love as each part of the body does its work. You have to be willing to make a commitment. You say, I don't have time to be a part of a community group. You don't have time not to. You don't. If you, if you allow the enemy, what he does is he isolates, he peels you away. He isolates you and he destroys you. That's the way it works. But when you're together, the Bible says that the great thing about being together, if you're walking together and somebody falls down, there's someone to help them get back up. And so I want to challenge you. In a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll send out information by email. Um, we'll talk about it next week a little bit. But we're going we're gonna to put groups together. We already have some leaders who are saying, I want to lead these groups. We'll put them online. You'll get to go in there and choose, and then make a commitment to bring your strength to the group. And I promise you, as you do that, God will make sure that someone else's strength is brought to you, and you will grow up, you will mature, and with more than anything else, you will begin to walk in the inheritance that God has given you. Amen? Why don't you stand with me as we close? So Jesus, we love you. Lord, thank you that... um, It's your grace, Lord. It's your grace, it's your kindness that calls us to think a different way about who you are, Lord, and about who I am. And so, Jesus, thank you, Lord, that your heart and your passion is to love me deeply from the heart, Lord. And then when I walk in that, Lord, you said you have reconciled me. When I find that reconciliation, Lord, that you have given us the task, the ministry of reconciling others to you. And so, Lord, as we find wholeness in you, Lord, I pray with everything within us, Lord, that we would begin to bring wholeness to others, that we would commit to serve and love one another deeply from the heart. And so, Lord, as we step into this, Lord, would you cause wonderful, great, lasting fruit to come as we're connected to you and as we're connected to one another. And for that, Jesus, we say thank you, and we honor you, and we praise you in your name. Amen.
If you need prayer this morning, we would love to pray for you. Our team will be up here. If you need prayer, if you're online, just go to our website. Click on the button that says prayer, and someone will get with you to pray for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful, wonderful.